hello and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. It's good to be here with you this morning. And so let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. And we thank you for your word. And so as we get into your word this morning, hide me behind the cross and use me, O Lord, to bring glory to your name. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We're going to talk about Abram today and how he came onto the scene in Genesis at the age of 75 years old. And so... In our culture, in our day, most everyone to get to that age is already retired, or, or there's a few that's still working, but we don't see ourselves as just starting out. So if you're here today and you're 75 years or older, you just might be in a place where God's going to still use you and do something yet that you, uh, you, you've already thought, I've already done my ministry, it's kind of wrapped up, and you're just getting started. And that's where Abram was. And so Abram, at the age of 75, God spoke to him and told him to get out of Ur of the Chaldees, of the Chaldeans, and... He was going to take him to a place that he did not know. And he said this, go out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He's told him that at the age of 75. You're going to leave. You're going to go to a land where I haven't told you, but you're going to go. One thing about Abram, he didn't understand totally. He didn't really know where he was going. But you notice he didn't argue with God. He just said, okay. And so Abram departed, and he went to the land of Canaan. And he settled into an area of Bethel and Ai. And he was west of Bethel and east of Ai, and that's where it says where he pitched his tent. And he was beginning to establish himself in that area. And so, they're there, and a famine broke out. And I'm sure Abram was struggling. Lord, you told me to come to this promised land, and now I'm in a famine. There's no food. There's nothing here. And it says that Abram went down to Egypt. So as he's getting ready to go to Egypt, and he's on his way, because Egypt is not in famine, they're in prosperity. Now, God did not tell him to go to Egypt. You see that Abram just went on his own, him and his wife Sarai, 
and they were headed down there because there was not famine there. And on the way, Abram's thinking about this. You know, my wife, Sarai, she's very beautiful. I'm going to get down there, and they're going to find out that that's my wife. And a lot of those cultures and societies at that time, if Pharaoh wanted a woman for his harem and she was married, he would have the, cus the husband killed, and he'd then take the wife for himself. And so those are the things that Abram was thinking about and talking about with Sarai to say, you know, let's get down there. And if we're, as we're going down there, um, if they ask who you are, tell them you're my sister. So that way they won't kill me. Because Abram believed, because his wife was very beautiful, that Pharaoh was going to want to take her for himself and put her in the harem. And so they traveled there. They get down there. And sure enough, the men that work for Pharaoh said, this woman's very beautiful. Who is she? Well, that's my sister. Well, Pharaoh's going to want her for the harem. So... She was taken and put in the harem of Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh did believe that she's very beautiful and now, now Abram's sister and I'm going to have her as be part of my harem. And he put all kinds of wealth on Abraham. He treated Abraham very well off and it says this, about him, and he had to give him sheep and oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, and female donkeys and camels. In other words, I'm taking care of you because I want to marry your sister and have her be one of my wives. So off she went. Abram got all of this stuff, if you would, and Sarai got put in the harem, and she was probably thinking. Great husband. And so the Lord had to intervene because Abram was wrong on what he did. He should have never did that. That was faithless to do that. He should have never went there in the first place. God told him to stay in Canaan. He never told him to go down to Egypt. But to protect Sarai, she's now in the harem. That first night, God brought a plague on Pharaoh and his family. And whatever happened during this plague, it doesn't really give any details about what happened, but before the, by the time morning came, Pharaoh knew that God had brought this plague and God had brought this upon him because Abram was not honest and he said, this is my sister and it's his wife. So the next day, Pharaoh is confronting Abram. What are you doing? You brought all this plague upon me because I believed it to be your sister and she's your wife. 
And Pharaoh wanted him gone. He was afraid of him because of what God had done. And he says, I don't, you know what? Just keep all the stuff that I gave you. I don't want any of it back. Keep all that stuff I gave you and you and your wife and the whole bunch of you get out of Egypt. And so they pick up and they go back to Bethel back to where they were in Canaan. But this time they're coming with servants, male and female, oxen, sheep, cattle, camels, donkeys, male and female, bringing back all this stuff with him. And as they get back and they're settling in, God then speaks to Abram, And he says this, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Now notice, he did not speak to Abram the whole time they were in Egypt. Because he was not in the place that God wanted him to be. Egypt represents the world system and the things of this world. God never told him to go there. And the whole time he was there, God did not speak to him. But when he got back to the place that he should have been, he went back to Bethel. Bethel means, Beth means house. El means God. Bethel, house of God. And so he went back to Bethel. And he went back to the place that God had told him to go. And then God speaks to him and says, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And Abram speaks to God and says, God, that's good. And you're for me and you're blessing me. But I have no children. My only heir is a servant, Eliezer of Damascus. He's a very faithful servant and I have everything willed to go to my servant because I have no children. And that night came and God said, go outside and look up and says, Abram, do you see the stars of heaven? He says, yes, your seed, your offspring will be greater than the stars of heaven. And he believed, even though him and his wife, he's 75, his wife's 65, she's well past the age of childbearing. But God said that you're going to have these descendants. And he believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted it as righteousness to him because he believed in the impossible, but he believed God was able, and God accounted it as faith to him. And so, ten more years goes by. He's 85, on the verge of being 86. And Sarah comes to him and says, You know, I know God told you this, and you've been saying all this, and that your descendants are going to be more than the heavens. But you know what? We're 10 years older. Nothing's happened. I cannot have children. Maybe we should take my handmaid in Hagar. 
she's young, she's beautiful, you have a child with her, and maybe that's how we'll make this happen, what God said he was going to do. And so, it says that Abram hearkened to his wife, said, okay. And he went in, had relations with Hagar, and Hagar became pregnant. And in the process, as now she knows she's going to have a baby, Hagar begins to get very arrogant with Sarai. You see, in that culture, if a woman was barren, they believed it was a curse that came from God. Now, God had told Abram, I'm going to produce a child with you. And now Abram's gotten Hagar pregnant. And she's kind of turning on Sarai, who is her owner, if you would. She was a servant. She was a slave. And so they begin to have a fallout. And Sarai dealt with her very harshly. And Hagar left. She says, I'm leaving. I'm going out. She went out into the desert, hid under a bush, crying. And the angel of the Lord showed up and said to her, why are you here? So she tells the angel all that transpired. And he goes back and says, go back and submit yourself under her hand to your mistress. Go back. But know that God has heard you. And you're going to have a man-child. And his name will be Ishmael. God listens. God has heard. That's what that means. And so, she goes back, submits herself back to Sarai, and I'm sure she tells them what's transpired, what transpired, and how the Lord showed up there, the angel of the Lord showed up, because it says that Abram had a son with Hagar, and they named him Ishmael. So obviously, she told them what happened. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. He's an old man. 86. Sarah's 76. And the Lord comes back and speaks to him. And he says, Abram, I'm going to change your name. Abram means exalted father. He's changing his name to Abraham, father of a multitude. Oh, great. You know, can you imagine? He's got, I'm exalted father. That was his name, Abram. Well, when he has that name, Abram, how many children you have? Back then it was none. Really? And you're named Exalted Father? 
And now your name's changed to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Well, how many kids do you have? One, and it's not even with my wife. And so, that he believed God. And God said this to him, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And so, times passed. Abram's now 99. Sarai's 89. Now, Abram's name has now become Abraham. Father of a multitude. And Sarai became Sarah. Sarai it was my princess. In other words, Abraham, her name was my princess. God changed her name to the princess. The princess as royalty, descendant over nations. And now he's on the verge of becoming 100 years old. The promise was given 25 years ago when he was 75. And God spoke to him and said, Sarai, or Sarah, is going to have a baby. This time next year, she will have a child. And the covenant is between you and this child. And Abraham's laughing. He's laughing hysterically. Not laughing that he doesn't believe it, but he's laughing that this miracle is going to transpire. I'm going to be 100 years old. Sarah's going to be 90 years old, and she's going to give birth to a baby. And so he said, they'll name this child Isaac, which is Hebrew for laughter. And so Isaac was born. Now, on the eighth day is when they circumcised the baby boys. And God had told Abraham, and there's a whole part of this story where every one of them got circumcised, and that's part of the covenant relationship that they have with God. So the baby was born. They named him Isaac. And... They're thrilled. They have this child. Well, a couple more years goes by. So the baby is somewhere between two and three. Could be three and four. And the Bible says that the child grew and was weaned. In other words, no longer need mother's milk. And in that time period, when children survived because there were so many that died during that time period and, and, and didn't make it out of that infancy. So when, when they were weaned and beyond the need of mother's milk and be able to be a young child, they threw a big party. 
A weaning was a very big party. He no longer needs to do this. He's weaned. So they had this great feast. And on this day of this great feast, that puts Ishmael somewhere around now 16 years old. And they're having this party for Isaac. And I'm sure he was a little jealous. Well, it says that he began to poke at his brother and began to tease him and poke at him. A big difference between 16 and 3. And Sarah saw this. And she was furious. And she goes to Isaac. I mean, excuse me, she goes to Abraham and says, Ishmael's taunting Isaac. I want Hagar and Ishmael gone. And I could almost hear Abraham saying, oh, come on, let up. Boys will be boys. This is what they do. That's his older brother. Boys will be boys. Because remember, years ago, when Sarah offered Hagar to him, and the Bible says he hearkened to the voice of, of his wife. And he looks back and says, well, that's caused some problems because of doing that. And so now his wife's telling him she's got to go. He was, he was fighting back. No, nope, we're not going to do this. And God steps in and speaks to him and says, Abraham, listen to your wife. It's almost hilarious because when he listened to his wife years ago, it got him in trouble. Now God's telling, to, telling him, listen to your wife now. What she's saying is right. And I'm sure that was furious for him, hard for him, because he had a conversation with God when he realized what was transpiring, and he's saying, God, I have this son, Ishmael, and I have that son with Hagar, and I did that because I was trying to fulfill your promise. In other words, I, you needed me to do this to be able to get there. But God said, no, I didn't need you. Look what happened. You have a miracle child I produced. I told you I was going to produce that. You cannot, you cannot do these things in the flesh and think you're doing God's will. Then he's saying, but what about Ishmael? And God says to him, no, my promise is, is not with Ishmael. I'm going to deal with him later. But my promise is with you and Isaac, the covenant that we have. That had to hurt to say that Ishmael's being rejected by God. You see, when we try to serve God in the flesh... And thinking that God needs us, we're doing that same exact thing. That's legalism. And as in the title today, legalism has got to go. Now God's telling Abraham, listen to your wife. Hagar and Ishmael was going to be okay. I'm going to take care of them. But turn them to the desert. Get, they cannot stay. And so, to that point of the story, I finally am going to take my text. Turn with Galatians 4, 21 through 31. 
verse 21 says, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not, not hear the law? See, what was going on in Galatians is they were believers. They're coming to Christ. The Judaizers had come back and said, you need to come back under the law. You're not, you're not right. What you're doing isn't right. You're not serving God. And so as they're facing this thing and they're bringing this question up to Paul, Paul's writing in them and saying, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Do you understand what it's saying? Verse 22 says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman and the other by a free woman. Hagar, you see, was a slave. He got Hagar, remember when Harold had loaded him up with all this stuff because his sister was now in his harem, and he gave him servants, male and female. Hagar was one of those servants. See, she didn't come from fulfilling God's promise. She came from the worldly system that said, here, I'm going to give you all this stuff if you give me your sister. And God wasn't in any of that. But the Abraham had two sons, one by Hagar, the other by Sarah. Verse 23. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. In other words, Abraham, I told you, I promised you, I made a covenant with you that I was going to produce a child through Sarah. Now, you took it under yourself thinking you're trying to fix all this for me and help me out. I don't need your help. So Ishmael represents what we try to do for God in the flesh and not following what we should do. See, religion is not relationship. Legalism is not what God wants to have. He doesn't want to have that kind of relationship. He wants a loving relationship with us. So, Paul is telling the Galatians, do you understand that you're trying to go, you're, some of you are saying you want to go back under the law? Don't you realize that you're putting yourself back under slavery? Next slide, please. It says, what things are symbolic? For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage. That's the law. That's the Ten Commandments. That's all the things that we think we have to do. Well, God was involved in that. Yes, he was. But he was involved in that not to get us stuck there. He was involved in that, that he would point and use those things to point, use them as a pointer to a Messiah that we so desperately needed, Jesus Christ. So you have two covenants. One was law. The other was grace. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar, slave girl. There's no freedom in that. Verse 25. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. Some believe that she's really from that area, part of Egypt, but she was part 
of Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is the bondage with her children. In other words, they're under the law. They're in bondage, but they're also in double bondage because they're bondage to the law and they're in bondage under Rome. There's no freedom there. There's nothing free there. And so he's saying, do you guys really want to do this? Verse 26. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. It's talking about heaven. The Jerusalem which is above. You'll see that if you want to read about the new Jerusalem, which one day is coming down to take its proper place. That's Revelations chapter 21. Verse 27, please. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. And we're talking about the Gentiles. It's talking about us. And God made a way for us to be a part of this. Not through Ishmael and Hagar, but through Isaac and Sarah. Verse 28 says, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. That's a hallelujah moment, church. The promises of God belong to us, and we belong to that freedom. We're not a part of the law. We are a part of grace. And you see, even in the name Abraham, from Abram to Abraham, he, they added, in, we would say, an H. In the Hebrew lang language, the letter is He. Still for like an H. The letter He. He is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Number five represents grace. You see, when God gives his grace, things change. Verse 29. But as she, he who was born according to the flesh, talking about Ishmael, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, Isaac, and notice what it says. If you get nothing else out of this message today, I want you to understand this. It says, even so it is now. It was then and it was now. See, it was right that Hagar and Ishmael had to go. Even though mentally for him, that was very hard to do. That's my child. That's my son. I love that child. And he's got to go? Yes, because... He doesn't come from grace. He comes from religion. And he says he, the religious persecute those that have grace. We see it in the church all the time. You see it in bodies that say, oh, you guys don't live for the, you're not doing it right. You're not keeping all these rules and regulations. You guys are too liberal over there. You see, it's about 
not about our do's and don'ts. It's about what God took to Calvary through Jesus Christ. It took our sins to the cross and he nailed them there. The sin debt was paid in full. And it isn't about us trying to perform anymore. It's about having a not a legal relationship. He doesn't want that. He wants a loving relationship. And those that do not have that, and they, they're more rigid and more legalistic and it's all about religion instead of relationship, they persecute, they taunt the church. They just say, oh, we knew you guys were too loose in your thinking. It's not about us, it's about what the Lord Jesus did for us. There's some people that say, oh, the people that think like you people do, that's cheap grace. I'll correct you, that is not cheap grace. What Jesus did at Calvary's cross wasn't cheap. The grace that he paid took his life and he took that payment in full and he paid our sin debt that we don't have to think about those things anymore. We're not caught in do's and don'ts. We're not caught in religion. We are in a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ and he is our Lord and Savior and we love him. See, that changes everything. Verse 30 it says, Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. See, you can't have both. You cannot have religion and relationship. One's got to go. May the bondwoman be cast out. May all the things that we try to do to please God in our flesh. That's what that represents. That's what he was trying to do. I'll produce a child. I'll do all this stuff so we can, that God's plan can be carried out. God doesn't need that. He doesn't need you and I to carry those things out. What he needs is a relationship with us. You see, the miracle that happened in Sarah happens in all of us. The free person that has this miracle promise of a change on the inside. In her case, she had gave birth at 90 years old. That change comes to us in the new birth, to being born again. You've been set free. We're not caught up in bondage. We're free. We're free in Jesus. May we never get caught back up in legalism. There's nothing there. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Let them be gone. Let those things be gone. You can't do it. You can't figure it out. It's not about how much you try, how much you do. See, that's all trying to work your way there. It's in relationship with the living God. Next slide, please. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. That's what Jesus has done for you and I. We're free in him. May we not get caught up in those things. May we not look around. You know when people look around and say, well, I'm a better Christian than they are. They're, they are living in legalism when they do that. It's not about trying to figure out who's got a better relationship. It's about living our lives and loving the Lord. That's what about. We're free. We're free in Jesus. 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together. We thank you that you so loved us. You gave yourself for us that you redeemed us. That we could be free. Free as Isaac and Sarah's free. The miracle that you produced there. That you produced in all of us. You gave us life. And that, that legalism do's and don'ts and trying to figure it out for ourselves and working ourselves there, it has to go. May it be gone in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.